Is this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block in the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! All right, all right, calm down, calm down. It's the Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City, Podcast 75. And I'm Bryn Griffiths. He's Robin Brownlee. And look who's with us today. The radio hey. voice, the radio voice of the Edmonton Oilers, Cam Moon. How you doing? Doing very well. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Training camp getting rolling here. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. It's at that time of year. Where, where the leaves start to turn, it gets a little cooler at night, and that means you're back in the rink. I mean, that is, to me, it's just, that's the way it should be. And last year, when we were in September, and all of that wasn't happening, it was the most bizarre feeling ever. So yes, I'm very happy. It feels normal now that, that we're in the rink in September. Hey, just to follow this up a little bit, though, your year last year started a little different than this one. When did you jump on board with the Oilers broadcast crew? When was that? I, last year was such a blur for me. About three days before the first game. Okay. Maybe, right. maybe two days before the first game. <laughs> so I didn't see any training camp. I didn't see anything. And again, that was in January when it was training camp. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a little different, let's say. Now, you talked about feels like normal. A lot of people are creatures of habit, Cam. I know I am. Training camp is supposed to be at this time. Preseason goes here. Regular season goes there. It just seems natural after all these years. And for everybody, they've been knocked out of that flow for the last couple of years. Uh, we're so slowly getting back to it. Yeah, yeah, we are. It, it's... It's nice that we're we're getting it though. Like I'm just I'm just so happy that it's back to kind of where it should be in September, as opposed to the middle of winter. Um, so when we were doing training camp last year, uh, so and, and then having fans in the stands to me that's going to be the biggest thing. Last year that was you don't realize how much you miss it until it's not there. And it just makes everything different and not for the better. So this having fans in the stands, I, I can't wait. I know with the, the rookie game the other night, they had uh, some of the, the families of OEG employees at the game to kind of do a dry run at the rink. And even just having that, it, it wasn't a lot of people, but even having that many people, there was, there was a little bit of noise after a goal. There was, there was a little something. It absolutely helped. Now, for you, you came in with very short notice, like you said, uh, plus there weren't people in the building. Uh, this has got to feel almost like a uh, starting with the Oilers do-over for you in many ways as well. Now you at least got some idea of who's who and what's what. Yeah, that's and that's the absolute truth. Oh, Robin, that was, uh, I was <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants, like those, that first month especially, just... There was a lot to take in in a short amount of time. Uh, now you get the opportunity to, to start from the beginning of training camp. Having not watched training camp last year, that certainly didn't help. So I, I appreciate having the opportunity to, to watch camp. Uh, and, and yeah, get to see players, know players a little bit better uh, than just coming in real cold. Uh, so that's going to help as well. And definitely fans in the building is going to help the broadcast because it, that energy level, when something happens, whether it's a goal or a big save or a hit or whatever, that energy level's there. Uh, with no one there, you have to manufacture that yourself. You have to kind of be that, that 
that lift when yeah. something like that happens. So yeah, that, it, that, it'll be much better with people there. Before we get too involved in what we may see on the ice or may not see on the ice, I, I want to touch on what, okay, so SportsSense back on board. Uh, 630 Chad is back on board. So is your role changed at all? Are you still not going to be uh, doing... What's Jack doing? What's what are you doing? Is there more definition, or is it basically what we saw and heard last year? Well, it'll be the same as as last year. So Jack will do Sportsnet, all the regional Sportsnet games, right? And I will do six thirty Ched for all of those. And then when it's a national television broadcast, then Jack will do the radio, and I'll do whatever something on the pregame show or whatever they want me to do. If I have to go get coffee, I go get coffee. Whatever, whatever it is, I don't care. If you're getting coffee for a staff, it's going to be coffee in Bailey's, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. Oh, I'm well aware. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm up to speed. I'm up to speed on these things. Uh, so that's – and I was going through this schedule just not, you know, with a fine-tooth comb or anything. But I just noticed that, like, last year, because it was a Canadian division, pretty much all the Wednesdays were national broadcasts. Yeah. That's not the case in a normal season. You know, if – Edmonton was playing, you know, Winnipeg on a Wednesday, they'd usually have that one at eight o'clock and it'd be the second half of a, of a doubleheader national. But then this year, if it's, you know, Edmonton in say Arizona on a, on a Wednesday, well, that's probably not going to be a national game. That's going to be a sports net game. So I, I would say the, the percentage of games that I, I do goes up a little bit right. because of that. But yeah, wait, Hey, whatever it is, it is. That's, I, I don't uh, I don't worry too much about that part. I just worry about the next game that I have to do, and and whatever that is, then that's what it is. Now, f- from a nuts and bolts view of of your job, Cam, talk a little bit about uh, uh, you know settling in uh, with with Stoffer on the broadcast because you know. I, Having watched broadcast guys forever, you don't just pick up a mic and mesh uh, without some experience knowing, you know, each other's cues. I mean, there's always the hand stuff, but it takes two really good guys don't necessarily mesh together right away. Talk about that process with Bob. It was it was actually Robin, it was it was a lot easier than well, I knew it would be pretty easy because I've known Bob for so long. So I knew that we would have, and I've listened to the broadcast a lot. Uh, so I, I had a pretty good idea and it's great. Like I, I was excited to, to get to work with Bob and, and Jack has helped me so much too, uh, just with a lot of things, like just whatever it may be. Like those two guys have been amazing. So they made it actually incredibly easy to, uh, you know, just to, to fit in and, and, for for us during the broadcast, yeah, it's it, it's it's pretty easy to have a, a really good conversation on the broadcast and have the ins and the outs that you're you know you're not walking on each other or or whatever the case may be, so that it's smooth and and that part was was pretty easy, but but like yeah, Bob made it incredibly easy, so I. There's nothing that I did, that's for sure. I just uh, had to go in there and, and do what I do. So, yeah, that part, I I figured because uh, Bob and I had known each other for so long, I figured that it, that would probably uh, assist greatly, and I'm sure that it did. But it honestly, it exceeded my expectations. My expectation level was pretty high. Like, I knew this was going to be a lot of fun. I didn't realize it was going to be this much fun. So like it, it went like way over and above. Like it's, I don't know. It's just something like the whole day, like the whole game day, like the morning skate stuff and then getting all your prep done. Like that's all good. And it's all leading up to the game. I guess it's kind of like when you're playing, it's, it's very similar that way. And then when it's showtime, it's showtime. And, and I love, uh, what Reed and Rob do on the pre and the intermissions and the post, like it's just, it's really exciting to be a part of it and working with like really talented people. Uh, so I'm just trying to hold up my end, you know, like I, I, I gotta, I gotta raise my level so I can just uh, hang out with these guys. I think you're going to be fine. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> I think you're going to be just fine, man. Hey. I, I, 
I, anyway, I love it. I absolutely love it. But how settled are you here? Because you just basically parachuted in the way it worked out last January. So now you've had all summer to think about this. Uh, from a family perspective, getting your head wrapped around, okay, now I'm Edmonton full-time. I, I just wasn't in Red Deer yesterday, and now I'm in Edmonton today, yeah. that kind of thing. How, is that, how has that worked out for you? Oh, that's been great. Um, you know, it's, and again, like, I grew up here. So, like, yeah. that was about as easy uh, a transition as there there is, you know. I, I, I love the, the comfort level uh, that I feel here. Um, and I would spend a fair bit of time here in the summer in previous seasons anyway, whether that's going to a football game or baseball game or, or, or going out or whatever, just seeing buddies or whatever it is. So yeah, that part's been great. Uh, I, I love all that there is to do in the summertime in Edmonton and, and granted some things were a bit tempered this summer, uh, you know, pandemic wise, but, but we still had stuff and there were yeah. still things to do. And, and I, I did appreciate that. And, uh, that's why I love this city so much. There's, there's things to do, things happen. And it, it really is a lot of fun. Now you paid your dues in the dub. Bryn's ridden those buses. I've ridden those buses. Um, although they were really prehistoric when Bryn and I r- yes. rode them, but, uh, you like the uh, you like the hotels and the travel a little bit better in the NHL camp? I don't know yet. Yeah, I haven't done it. Yeah, you haven't you haven't traveled yet? No, no. Yeah. All the we did all the road games from Ched Studios last year. So yes. I'll let you know when I find out. But yeah, <laughs> as it sits right now, <laughs> I hear it's really good. <laughs> but we'll see. Hey, and, and just sticking with that, though, have they told you, is it full speed ahead on travel? I don't know for sure. I don't know definitively. Yeah. Um, but but if it does happen, you guys, the thing I'm really excited about, about the whole thing, is the quality of hotel pens. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. Like the, the Western League hotel pens, there's some great ones. And I know where the good ones are and okay. where the bad ones are. Well, where are the best ones then? Let's let's get right into the meat and potatoes here. Where are yes. the best hotel yes. pens in the in the dub? Okay. I, I was always a fan of the Canad Inn pen of in course. Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, I love the whole Brandon situation. The hotel is attached to the rink. Yeah. They got everything there. It, it's actually, it, it takes a while to get to. If you're coming from the Alberta division, but once you're there, it's really lovely. Mm -hmm. Oh, and they also put like a popcorn stand right by where you go in to go to the press box and it's fresh popped. And it's like, it's, it's intoxicating. Like, well, they do it right. They get me every time. There's also that fresh egg smell. In the arena, sometimes in Brandon, I used to remember anyway, you used to walk yes. in there. And if you had a bad sinus condition, you didn't have it five minutes later because that sulfur smell yeah. would just kind of get right in there. They, It's not so much now. Uh, and they've done amazing renos to the building since that 2010 Memorial Cup. Yeah. Uh, the visitor visitor dressing room is great. Okay, so you got your Canad pen in Brandon, right. which is wa- wonderful. Got to write this um, down. If you're, if you're doing... Uh, when we would head out to BC, a lot of this is the coast. Yep. We, we would stay at some of the coast hotels in, in BC. They make a pretty good pen. Yeah, I like that one. It, it, that lasts for a while. It's a solid pen right there. You were yeah, clicking that pen? Yeah, yeah, that's that's got a click. Very nice. There, there got you go. can hear that. Uh, the the Red Lion. I know the Red Lion has a, had a decent <laughs> pen. Uh, we'd stay at the Red Lion sometimes in Spokane. That wasn't bad. Well, oh, Robin can also, I mean, Robin did the beat for a million years here. I mean, yeah. the, the Hilton pens are usually pretty good. Weston, I mean, man, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. See, we don't see those in the Western no. League. No. No, 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 we don't. But we did get the Grand Pacific in Victoria. That's a good pen. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. These <laughs> was, are the important things. I was one of, I was one of those cheapskates who not only took the pens, but after several years of the beat, I literally had suitcases full of the soaps and shampoos, and they were rated on a scale of one to ten based on your hotels, uh, whether you were at the Pan Pacific in Vancouver. Yeah. Oh. 
you know, I tell you what, after a while, you just had to throw it out. You couldn't even get rid of it in a garage sale, but soap and pens, I was big on both. Ah, the big time. Yeah, the, the bar of soap also doubles the shampoo for me, as you guys know. I can see yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's, as much as I hate to tear us away from that, uh, let's, sure. let's talk about training camp. Uh, a couple of things. One, I saw you were out and about. You were at the Elks game on the weekend. We'll get to that at the latter part. But uh, we we had rookies participating this weekend. Did, did you catch any of that on Saturday? Yeah, well, I've caught every every second of, of it, all of it so far. So yeah, it's yeah, it's it's fun because you get to see players that are are potential down the road. I mean, the reality is the math is. They're not all going to play here. Yeah. They're not all going to play in the league. Ever. No, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I remember when they had the they had the they that first rookie game in Red Deer. I, I want to say it was 2018. And I took the the lineups from the two teams, and I, I put it on my wall uh, at work because I was like, you know what? A few years down the road, I want to see. And it's honestly, out of that, there was like two or three on each side. So like that, that's the math. That's, but yeah. I, I like watching it because everybody goes at you, you don't know which two or three it's going to be because everybody goes at a different pace some plateau, some take off, uh, some regress. So like, it's, it's fun to watch, to see that and to, to make your best estimates yourself. Not that you see them a lot. You're just seeing them in that camp. You're not watching them over, over the course of a season. And to make a proper assessment, I mean, you need to see a guy play, you know, 10, 12 times before you can really make an assessment. You watch the guy play in, you know, three days of training camp. Well, you know, I don't know that that's a, a real educated guess. So I enjoy it. But again, I know that I'm seeing a very small snippet. Cam, let me run a perception past you um it seems to me uh people want a decision a verdict a a a finished product report on a player who who's 18 19 20 a lot faster now than they used to it's like the kid's been on the ice for 15 minutes and it's well what do you think is he gonna make it is he gonna you know can he play on the third line like these, if you think about what you were doing, you were playing hockey, but most teenagers at 17, 18, 19, and then 20 years old, their parents don't know how they're going to turn out, let alone their coaches or scouts. So yeah, do you find there's a, a, a rush to judgment or at least a push to do that these days? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think it's kind of always been there, but it's just a little more amplified now. Uh, that's the thing. Like everybody's journey is different. Like some players are ready to play in the NHL at 19, 20 years old. Granted, this is the vast minority, but some are ready to do that. And some aren't like some are going to take, they're going to have to play out their junior eligibility or college eligibility. They might have to spend some time in the American hockey league. Uh, and at that time, then they're ready, whether it because of, of of their physical stature, they need to get stronger, uh, maybe you know a little bit thicker, a little bit heavier. That might be part of it. The mental aspect, like all the the off ice stuff that comes into play, like uh, of being a professional and coming to the rink every day and what that means, and and living on your own in junior, you're living with a billet family. In college, it might be a little bit more on your own, but you're kind of in a in a little bit of a bubble there. So there, there's a lot of things that come into play. Yeah. And to, to watch a kid, you'll be on the ice for, for two or three sessions and then try and map out his future. I think that's incredibly difficult. Also risky. If you, if you don't have a, a long history of, of seeing the person play and knowing our personality, because that's a big part of it too. Uh, there's some that uh can can deal with all the ups and the downs and the pressures a little better than others. And that's a big part of, of having success as a professional hockey player for sure. Um, so knowing their personality is a big part of it. And, and that's what scouts and GMs do is they, they find out these things to, to know what they're like, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Like it's, you just, I, you look at the, 
and, and I said the math earlier, but you look at the math yeah. of, of how many are coming at a junior out of college. And then from there, how many can be pros? And then from there, how many can be NHLers? Like it's, it's an incredibly uh, daunting task. So you got to bring something, whether that be incredible physical talent, uh, mental toughness, or maybe a combination of all of them. Uh, but to, to be successful, you've, you've got to have a lot of things go right. And you got a lot of, you got to make a lot of things go right for yourself. You, you certainly have ridden the buses a lot more than, than, than I have. And certainly Robin has over the years, but that's the one thing I really miss is that bus time, because you're right. You get a chance to see what the kids are all about away from the rink with their teammates see what kind of character they are, see whether or not they're an uh, extrovert or an introvert, but yet they still have the talent. And, and the other thing, too, and I would mention this frequently, and people th- thought it was bullshit, and it isn't. Scouts would actually talk to the broadcasters as well, not oh, just yeah. the, because they want to get a little different perspective on the player away from the game. I miss that. I'm sure you're going to yeah. miss that, too. Traveling with the big guys, they're there. Yeah, yeah. They, no, for sure, the... I, a lot of people would say like, like, how can you, how can you ride the bus that long? Like, like that many years. And I was like, I actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was good downtime. I mean, there's a few situations where you get, you know, because of weather and whatever can be a little bit sketchy, but that's, I mean, that's Canada. That's going to happen. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, and you can see the personalities and the ones that are going to put the team on their back and say, well, I'm going to find a way or, you know, whatever, or, or are really good teammates, guys that help out teammates. Like if they're having a tough time on the ice, off the ice, whatever, those guys that step up to be really good people. Like I love seeing that. And I love just seeing the, the, the change from coming in as a 16 or 17 year old rookie and then when they leave at 19 or 20 to to move on to whether that be pro hockey or university hockey or whatever. They're also moving uh, from the front of the bus slowly to the back of the bus as they yes, get older too, yeah, which yes, is kind of fun yes. to watch. Yes, it, it is. It is. I, I remember as a player that, that <laughs> front of the bus, I didn't enjoy that much. But the back, yeah, ruled that thing like a king. Yeah. Holy, you better believe it. Oh, yeah. Holy cow, you guys. What? This this. Was, you know, you're, you're walking down the garden path of nostalgia here today. We are. Yeah. There is absolutely nothing I miss about the bus. Are you kidding what? me? Oh, come on, Sleep, Robin. Players sleeping on foamies, hitched to my right side. Um, uh, all I could hear was the, was the uh, ruffling of uh, the lunch sack that uh, the woman had packed for him uh, for the trip. Kelly Moore in front of me, who sawed it off big time when he slept. Um, guy, nah. I tell you what. Once you do get going on 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 the road cam, you will notice that it's every bit and probably more memorable and fun to watch the players grow, to see the dynamic of the team relationship on a real nice air bus or in the lobby <laughs> of a real nice hotel. The buses and all that, pal. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I hope, knock on wood, I hope that's the case this year because it's a lot easier to call a game if you're actually at it. Yes. Um, so I hope that that... Uh, that is the case, but I don't know that for sure. But I, yeah, I, I could see Robin. Hey, I could see where where uh, you know the nice hotels and and the the plane would be you know, slightly there. yeah yeah slightly better than mm-hmm. than going across the frozen tundra. Yes. Yeah. Hey, uh, this is a little different hockey club that you're going to see here in Edmonton this year. There's a real veteran presence that wasn't there at this time last year, because it was a, I don't, I don't want to call it a summer of turmoil, but there was change. Change is probably mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. How, how are you looking forward to watching that progress through the first month? Because there's a lot of eyes going to be watching carefully to see what goes on here this year. I'm, I am in tremendously excited. And, and here's why. Uh, last year, because they just played against Canadian teams, we got to see Zach Hyman a lot. 
And I remember early in the year, I remember saying to to Bob after one of the games against Toronto, I was like, geez, that Hyman, like, guy's like a dog on a bone. Like, yeah. goes into the corner and he battles and he wins battles and he goes to the front of the net and generally a pain to play against. We sure would like a guy like that. Well, as it turns out, that's exactly the guy they got, which, so I'm, I'm fired up uh, for him to be into the mix. Um, I, I don't know a lot about Warren Fogle, so I'm, I want to watch him play to, to form an opinion, of course, and, and to, to see what he's all about. But everything that I've read and people I've talked to uh, all say really good things. So that leads me to believe that uh, he is going to be uh, a positive force on this club. So I look forward to that and helps give them depth up front, which you know, last year, certainly we saw it in the playoffs where, where depth was a bit of an issue. You wanted to have a little bit more from, from lines three and four. And, and this gives them a fighting chance. I love that uh, Derek Ryan is coming here. And not just because he played for the University of Alberta Golden Bears, but I do appreciate that he did. Um, but I know what he brings, and we got to watch him a lot last year uh, with the, the Edmonton and Calgary games. And he's a guy that wins draws and is uh, defensively responsible and does everything you want uh, of a guy that is going to play in, in that role. Uh, I'm, also, I'm also fired up to have Duncan Keith here. Because of that veteran presence, because he's such a, a smart player and, and because he's had uh, the amount of success that he has and anybody that I've talked to, and I've talked to some people that have played with him, like they just rave about this guy. So I don't know him from, like I've never met him. I, I remember when he played in Kelowna in the Western League, but I mean, everybody tells me that uh, he's going to be a really good fit with this club. So yeah, those like that. And, and I, I am I'm really fired up to see uh, Evan Bouchard get more opportunity. I know when he played last year, I, I thought he showed really well. Uh, there's not much panic in his game, which I think is is rare in young defensemen. Uh, and that's not something you can teach. That just has to be part of your personality, and it's part of his. He has a calmness with the puck, which I really like, and he's got a great shot from the point. So... I look for him to take kind of that next step in his development here in getting uh, more opportunity. And I can't wait to, and I, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. He's a young defenseman. It's, it's a position where there's, there's very little uh, room for error. And when you make one, it's usually pretty glaring, but yeah, to, yeah, to be able to, to, you know, we're going to have to ride that out a little bit, but I look forward. Cause I think, I think there's a lot of upside in his game and I can't wait to see it. Well, you, you talked about two guys who I've had my eyes on, Cam, and I got to be honest, I haven't seen enough of uh, Zach Hyman to draw a conclusion, but what I have done is talk to and listen to people who have seen him, and the one thing that everybody says is that he does a lot of things that don't necessarily show up on the score sheet or in the advanced stats. Like, this guy is a player. This guy has a nose for the puck, a nose for the net. He can create offense, whether he shows up on the sheet or not. Um, I didn't hear a negative about him from anybody. To me, this is a great get for Ken Holland. I absolutely agree. Uh, he's just, he works so hard. Like, he creates those opportunities out of hard work. Like, it's it's impressive. Uh, I I noticed him right away last year uh, in games against Edmonton. Where you're like, wow, like this guy is a real pain because he just goes 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 and and wins these puck battles in the corner. And and it's not like he's a like he's not a monster. He's just but he's got a monster heart and the way he plays the game. And I appreciate that. So I could see. I don't know where he's gonna fit in. Like I don't know. And that's what the preseason's for. You can try him in different spots with different line mates and see what works the best. But but wherever he fits in, he's going to bring a, a great attitude. And, and by all accounts, and I don't know the guy either, but I, by all accounts, he's an amazing human. So that helps too. You bring good guys into the dressing room. Uh, that never hurts you. You also mentioned Evan Bouchard. Now, I can't imagine, and I'm trying to think because I've seen a lot of guys come through here over the years, and, I mean, everybody's different. There are guys who are 
sort of similar, but if this is going to be the year that Evan Bouchard raises his game, he's, he's, he's still a kid. You could not have gone out and got a better player than a two-time Norris Trophy winner uh, with the experience and the personality that Duncan Keith has. This is a guy who works at his game, who believes in fitness. And if Evan Bouchard becomes 80% of what Duncan Keith has been, the Oilers have a great defenseman for the next 15 years. How do you see that relationship? Just the commonality being in the same room uh, as a guy like Keith for a young D-man like Evan Bouchard. Oh, I think it, it's worth its weight in gold, quite honestly. Uh, a guy like Duncan Keith, everything that he's been through, all the winning that he's done, uh, like that can't help but you know be a great in influence on a guy like Evan Bouchard. I think Darnell Nurse will be a big part of that too. I think I think Darnell has a lot of great leadership qualities also. So between the two of them, I that's that's uh that it's a, it's a lot of expertise in that position. So that I can't see that being anything but positive for a young defenseman who's about to get you would think quite an opportunity and I think quite honestly I I think Evan Bouchard's going to move up the ladder over the course of the season where he will be forcing the coaching staff to play him more and play him in maybe a little higher up uh, than, than he starts. Uh, He might get sheltered a little bit early, but as he gains confidence and and proves to the coaching staff that uh, he can handle that workload, I can see that just moving up. And I think guys like Duncan Keith, and, and uh, Darnell Nurse will be a big part of that in helping him in his journey to become a full-time NHL defenseman. Kyler Yamamoto signs a one-year deal. That's ballsy for a young guy. Well, yeah. yeah hey, this is, uh, this is kind of, uh, well, here you go. <laughs> Here's a one-year, kind of prove it, to get that next deal. So it's, that, that's, I mean, that's what that is. And, and that's hockey. I mean, that's. If you want to to get a bigger contract or a longer contract or a bigger, longer contract, uh, you're going to have to show well over the course of this season. So, I mean, it's laid right out there. He's going to get that opportunity. We know that. I mean, opportunity is not, not the issue. He's just going to have to make the best of it to uh, to get that next contract so he can bump it up. But, yeah, that's... That's what that is. That's a bit of a kind of a, a show me sort of thing. If you're looking at it from the team's point of view, if you're from the player's point of view, say, hey, I'm going to bet on myself here. I'm going to uh, I'm going to have a great year, and and then I'll get paid at the uh, back end of that. So, yeah, it, I'm glad it got done before camp because uh, that's you don't want something like that. I mean, from the from the player, you don't want to miss camp because then everybody gets going and gets their level keeps rising and you're at home just skating with whoever, it's tough to come into that halfway and get yourself up to that speed. Like, it's tough. You're playing catch-up right from the get-go. Uh, and, and from the team point of view, you don't want to have that kind of distraction. So they've avoided that, which I think is wonderful. You know, Cam, when we get a, a bridge, and this is what a one-year deal is, I know we like to say betting on himself. He didn't have a choice. Nope. Holland had the, Holland had the hammer. Here's what you're going to get. If you don't like it, you've got two choices. You can take it and not complain or you can sit out and we know what a disaster sitting out would be for a young player who's not proven like Yamamoto. I like the kid. What I also like is that Ken Holland, who was accused of maybe being soft on the Keith deal and not holding out for what he could have got, uh, or giving too much, he played a little bit of hardball with J.P. Barry and Kyler because no herb rights, where are you going to go? Um, I think it's a great move, and Yamamoto, he's going to come to camp, and I don't mind if he's a little bit pissed off that he feels they played hardball with him. Show us, show us we're wrong, kid. That's the best motivation a young player can have, isn't it? I think so, yeah. And I, I give Ken Holland credit, like, it's a, it's a young player that, you know, to this point has, has done all right. It's had some ups and downs for sure. Uh, 
but still it it still needs to be proven over the course of a longer time frame and that's what this is all about here's the one year prove it um and you're right and from like like the player in that situation you got no arb rights your rfa and the only only bargaining chip you have is to not show up like that that's the only thing you can do is not sign there's like nothing else so uh, yeah, he, I, he waited it out, whatever he got, got his contract and, and, you know, that's good. And both, hopefully both sides are happy enough that, um, that they can move forward and, and Kyler can have a great season and, and prove what type of uh, NHL he's going to be here in the future. So uh, I hope that, uh, I, you know, I hope he has a great year. I hope he has a, a great year and, and gets what he wants on the back end of that. And if he has a great year, that's good for the hockey team. Hey, we, we know you got a dash because uh, training camp's getting rolling here. We want to get you over to the rink and everything. But before we let you go, tell everybody about your podcast, Top Chatter, because uh, this is a, quite an entertaining podcast in my in my view. Oh, I'm glad you like it. Uh, yes, uh, Rob Lawlisher, former Saskatoon Blade and Kamloops Blazer, uh, it, it was his idea, all his idea. I'm just, you know, I'm just the help. That's all I am. But in Top Chatter, we uh, we catch up with uh, hockey guys that are now done and, and talk about their time in the game, but then their time with what they've done after the game. And you know, and that sometimes that stays in the game, whether it be scouting, coaching, whatever, yeah. management, but sometimes it isn't. It, it could be something completely different. It, it could be business. It could be uh, policing. It could be you name it. Uh, so we we have tracked down so many people. Some very well known. Some not. A lot of WHL guys, as you would expect. We've we got a few college guys in there too, but it's it's mostly Western Hockey Leaguers, and there is some great stories, some funny stories of of silliness in the game of hockey god love it because it is wonderful you know what that that kind of, that, that's so cool i love those type of stories i gotta ask you though cam have you ever looked up or do you even know of a player named warren babe oh oh i remember i remember warren babe and his younger brother was Derek babe who was a goaltender and they were from the medicine hat area Warren's no. a little older than I am. And no. I remember, yeah, I remember reading uh, when he played in the WHL, but I don't know him. Okay. It's just, it's one of those stories. Hey, maybe it's a podcast for you because okay, at a certain point in his career, Warren Babe was one of the best players I'd seen at the junior level because he was tough. He could play. He was smart. And, and best players on a team, I mean, Rob Brown was on the Blazer teams that I saw. Uh, Mark Recchi, Greg yeah. Hoggood. Uh, uh, Minnesota took him. Concussion problems. He never really got a shot. I did a 10-year anniversary thing at the Journal of a Blazer team, and he was working for the utility company or something down in Lethbridge. But this is one of the best players who maybe got in 20 games in the NHL and then concussions did him in. There are a lot of stories like that out there. And people just love that stuff, don't they? Oh, they do. And and, and the, you can hear some great, great stories from those guys, whether it be their time in the Western League or their time in the minors where yeah. all sorts of silly things happen. Like, it's, it's yeah, those that's great stuff. Yeah, we're going to have to track down Warren Babe. I'm sure we can. Bet between Lolly and I and, and the different hockey guys we know, usually it's not too many different degrees of separation before we can track somebody down. So yeah. I, I think we can pull it off. Top Chatter is the podcast. Thanks for your time today. This is great. Uh, have fun watching training camp. I'm really excited that you're going to travel. Uh, I know you'll keep Bob Stoffer in line. And uh, uh -huh. that takes some work. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Okay, thanks for having me on. And then if we do travel, uh, you, you, maybe you'll have me back on and we could do like a hotel pen update. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> exactly.
The Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. Well, as expected, things did slow down on the real estate front in the Metro Edmonton market over the summer. That's no big surprise. We all kind of knew that was coming. Brent's been saying it for months. However, things do tend to pick up a little bit in September and October before we get into the winter months. But if you're finding that your household is a little on the small side right now and your current family roster is growing, then now's a good time to track them down. Give them a call at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City, and they can assist you with the sale of your pick or your purchase of your next superstar. You can find them at 780-464-0075 or mcintoshgroup.ca if you want to send them an email, and they would love to chat with you. They can get the process going with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. No obligation, no deadline for this offer, but don't let the market pass you by. It's been really quite strong this year. They're very happy with the way things have gone, both buyers and sellers. Anyway, get a hold of Brent or any of his team members at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. Okay, so 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 you you think that I'm lying through my teeth when I talk about how much I enjoyed those bus rides across the prairies in the Western League? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I tell you what, as we are at arm's length and years removed from an experience, it can sometimes seem uh, our memories are a little bit rosier than what it actually was like. Now, you were in a different part of the country than I was. I was going to say that. Yeah. In Kamloops, it was a pretty fair jaunt to get to the Keystone Center in Manitoba. <laughs> yes, it was. A any and, trip out of Kamloops was a long one. And the thing is, you know, you're excited at the time. Um, I remember because I wasn't, and this is how I talk about how time flies. I wasn't that much older than the overage players on the team when I was there and um, it was a lot easier then than it would be say now to uh, sit in the seat and make the trip to Portland, make the trip to Spokane, uh, go to the jaw, the hat, all those places. Um, the people were fun and there are some good memories from it. Um, you, We talked about the back of the bus. Well, I remember when the back of the bus was really good in Kamloops because there were some outstanding players like Rob Brown, um, really good teams. They never won a Memorial Cup while I was there because I was gone by 89 before Aginla and all those guys came along. But I tell you what, um, it was an experience, but it feels and sounds better now than it actually was then because it's a lot of miles it's cold and in all seriousness we did have the spec i mean i remember hitting a uh a uh, a moose once yeah uh, that's scary we had the uh uh swift current situation yes you know a lot of people uh and and knock on wood um because we've had that awful tragedy more recently with Humboldt um, yes with the Humboldt Broncos you know you go out on that bus in the dead of winter um and you're you're thinking hockey but there's a lot of miles and a lot you know if you're playing cards it's fine if you're talking you know the media guys on our bus would sit up front well, media guy and Kelly Moore uh where Hitch was uh where Don Hay was where depending on what the coaching staff of the day was there were it was cool in a way but i tell you what there was a lot of stops at gas stations at three in the morning where you're getting out to stretch yeah in, in 25 below weather and you get a 15 minute break and everybody runs to the john uh, and then you hop back on the bus and you keep going so yeah for nostalgia's sake, I love talking about it, but it probably it probably seemed uh, seems nicer now than it actually was. More romantic, so to speak, if you want yes. to put it that way. But I but I got to tell you, what I loved about it, and what I hated about it. What I loved about it, 
I always love the energy level on the bus. And you would get on the bus, let's say we're driving from Moosha up to Prince Albert. So it's about a four-hour trip. So you would get on the bus probably around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Guys had already been to school in the morning, right? So they would get on that bus, and, of course, they want to crash. Got to get a nap in on the bus. But you're about an hour to an hour and a half out of Prince Albert, and you could just start to feel on the bus that energy level as guys were kind of coming around waking up and they're getting hepped up for the game and all that kind of stuff i used to love that you could just feel that it's palpable right and uh and then the other thing that i always loved win or loss was getting on that bus after a game because it uh, you could cut the tension with a knife even after the wins it was uh, it was so special but you just have this bond with guys and not all the guys come to the front of the bus. Some guys come to the front of the bus to talk a little bit, and then they go to the back and that kind of stuff. I, that's what I loved. What I hated about it was I used to go right from the bus. Oh, let's say Brandon's a classic example, five hours Brandon to Moose Jaw. So by the time we'd get into Moose Jaw, it's like 4, 4.30 in the morning, I'd go right in to do the morning show yep. at CHAB Radio and so if I didn't sleep on that bus, I was in big trouble. But somehow I had to uh, I had to find the energy level to basically execute doing a morning show. And I that always kind of drove me uh, crazy. I hated that part of it. And then, as you point out, Robin, and we had one episode where our bus went off the highway around Indian Head. It's the only place on that highway between Regina and uh, Brandon where there's actually a little bit of a, a decline off the side of the road. We went down, we went down a hill, and, uh, and it was a scary trip. If it wasn't for the driver driving us right in and into some bushes, we'd have flipped at least four or five times. And then I see how tragic it was outside of Swift Current, where it's about as flat as it comes, and yeah. a driver should have been able to drive over there, but he just hit an approach, and the bus flipped. We were so lucky. But it just reminded you that, you know what, we're on the road an awful lot. And then, of course, Humboldt, Humboldt makes you think about it as well. There's, there's a real hazard in, uh, in driving in the roads around the Western Hockey League. But it's, uh, it's a memory that uh, obviously all three of us treasure. But there were some highs and some definite lows and some real painful reminders of the danger that was also involved in driving on icy roads. Like you, we're going through mountain passes. We weren't doing it. And the other thing I hated, and the last three years I did the Western League games, I flew from Regina to Spokane to start the road trip. Rob Carney, who was with me at CHAB, he loved that 17-hour bus trip and being with the guys. I loved the guys. I just couldn't stand the 17-hour bus trip. And I'd fly back from Kamloops to Regina. I didn't want to go do that overnight trip. It was painful, but... Man, the Western Hockey League was a lot of fun, and I'm guessing it still is, and I, I'm excited for Cam now that he can just fly into places like Tampa rather than, uh, you know, Prince Albert and Moose Jaw and Madison Hat, Lethbridge and all sorts of unique places. Well, I tell you what, we had a reprise of bus travel, and it was fun. In 0405 in the lockout, um, the paper said to me, well, Brownlee, you can go cover the – police beat or you can treat this American hockey league team, the uh, one year wonder Edmonton road runners like the Oilers will send you on the road. So I went on the road that included a 24 day road trip, by Yikes. the way. But if you want to talk shit travel in the American hockey league that year, and it was funny because the coaches that year, and we would look at each other and we would roll our eyes. Uh, Kelly Buckberger was an assistant coach. Now we weren't trying to big league it, but he'd been in the NHL a long time as yeah. a player. I did. I'd covered it for quite a while as a, as a reporter. Uh, so Bucky was a co- assistant coach. Uh, Jeff Ward yes. was the head coach and Joe Patterson was the other coach. Now on that team, there was uh Rocky Thompson as yeah. a player. Love Rocky. Uh, Jarrett Stoll, Rafi Torres, uh, Kyle Brodziak, who went to the NHL for a long time. But the fun thing was, Bucky and I would look at each other in eye roll, and it kind of felt like we were big leaguing it, but you're, you'd kind of forgotten what a pain in the ass the bus could be. Oh, yeah. Like, we were trying to save money, and we would fly into Chicago to play Chicago, 
of the Chicago Wolves at the at the suburban rink, not at the uh, not downtown. And then we'd bus everywhere. That was our center because the hotel was cheap. We would bus to Grand Rapids, to Milwaukee, to all over the joint. And it after a while, it was just painful. And I felt sorry for the players because I was so bloody exhausted. I couldn't, I was thinking, I don't know if I can write another game. Well, these poor guys, they had to play the game. I, I, was, sitting on, I was sitting on my fat ass writing about the game and I was toast. These guys, I tell you what, there was some real tra- challenging travel in the American Hockey League that one year. Hey, uh, thanks for your time as always. This was a blast today. Just got a little text message from Mooner. He says, I, I, I had a ton of fun, guys. Thanks very much. We appreciate it him joining us on the podcast today. And we're about ready to get an NHL season going. Did you get your VAX passport? Have you got it? Are you ready to go, yes, Rob? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've got it on my phone. I've got a hard copy in my wallet. Good. I'm, I'm getting in. Yes, I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, we'll have to check in with the team south of us, uh, the Calgary Flames, in the next week or so uh, to see what's going on down there because they are in for an interesting season as well. So, We'll track out uh, somebody from uh, the Stampede City. Hey, check us out on Twitter. The handle's really simple. It's at Outsiders2020. Also, make sure you tell your friends to subscribe or click on our RSS feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Deezer, etc. And we're also on YouTube. And, uh, it, hey, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. More great stuff coming up. Uh I've recorded my portion. Robin's at home, still doing the Zoom thing. I've recorded my portion at the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton. If I poked my head out the window, I can actually see Roger's place from here. It's uh, it's nice to be back in a studio working out of the downtown core. But your, uh, your support is greatly appreciated. And uh, if you are thinking that you might want to have some fun with us as a potential advertising partner like Brent McIntosh and the group at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City, then make sure you track us down on uh, on Twitter, uh, we we would we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Looking at adding some new features and some sponsors coming up here in the new season, which is season three. Already starting to talk to some guys uh, about booking guests for and guest spots for the month of October as we get the season rolling, and uh, we're just going to get bigger and better with everybody's support. Okay, that's it, Robin. I'm tired just thinking of bus trips. <laughs> now that you've brought it up, it's I time to you. bolt. Listen, we'll talk to you next week, okay? Sure will. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! <laughs>